Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. Hello, Single to Sealed podcast family. Welcome back for another episode. Today we have a very special guest. So give us a little round of applause, Jerry. <laughs> for Sasha Piton. Uh, we are so excited to have her on today. And we want her to tell you guys a little bit about herself before we dive into our topic today. So welcome, Sasha. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. We're, this is going to be a, an amazing episode, and, and we're really excited for our listeners to get to know you today. Um, but before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Arizona. Um, I'm from a small town. My parents are not LDS. I joined the church when I was in college. I was actually anti-Christian before I joined the church. I kind of wanted to be like Jewish or Buddhist, um, and mostly Jewish because they didn't believe in Christ. But <laughs> But anyway, uh, different plans happened, and I joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when I was in college. I had no idea what Mormon was, actually, so I didn't know we were Christian in my defense um, until I started learning about it. So anyway, I went to school at the University of Arizona. I have two bachelor's degrees, one in theater and one in music. I studied opera, Um, and then I went on a mission for the church a few years after I joined and served in Salt Lake City South. It was a delightful experience and loved it. It was really one of the best experiences of my life. I came back from my mission and I moved to Utah, which is I feel like every single missionary that serves in Utah does that. Um, and anyway, so I, I lived in Utah for a few years and I worked in corporate America for like six years. I built a career. And then in 2019, I decided to quit my job. I was intending to take a few months off and then the Lord was like, no, you're going to take a year off. And I was like, no, I won't. I'm going to take a few months off. And he was like, okay, it's going to be a year, but you do you. And I took about a year (laughs) off and um, loved it. I absolutely adored taking time off. It was great. And then I started working for a nonprofit that is about to end, but I've just been working for them for about 10 months. It's a nonprofit that I have been volunteering with since 2017. It's called Mothers Without Borders. And I was helping coordinate the expeditions to Zambia, Africa this summer. And it's been absolutely incredible. So it's been really fun to kind of use my skills and be all sorts of all over the place. Um, But the thing that I've really enjoyed is that starting in this year, 2021, I shifted and changed my Instagram to be the Mormon hippie. And I just started talking about church culture things, things from the perspective of being a convert and joining and also doing a lot of healing in my journey. And now looking at my spirituality and my religion as a true connection to divinity and not just a checklist. So I really enjoyed kind of talking on Instagram about that. And that's kind of how you and I got acquainted with each other. Yes. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. And it's great learning all those things about you because I didn't know that much about you before, (laughs) before this podcast, we just barely chatted with her a little bit. And um, I would think that Sasha is just a great, a great person, a great example. And we're happy that you're on Instagram spreading those things. This podcast for all of our listeners who listen, know this is all about, just telling the truth and breaking barriers. And I feel like you, you're doing the same thing. Just you, sometimes our perspectives need to be, you know, tweaked a little bit or see things from a different way to realize, you know, maybe things aren't exactly how they are mm-hmm. <laughs> or how we think they are. Yeah. We just need someone to, to show us a little bit different. 
Yeah, and you're such a light on Instagram, and that's what Im- like immediately drew me to you when I found your Instagram, and I just kind of got like sucked in. And I'm like, oh, I love this girl. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> She's so awesome. And that was yeah, that was why I immediately messaged her, and I was like, we need to have you on our podcast because uh, she yeah, you're just awesome. I just love your videos and the the things you say and the way you say them. I just they're all so important. Yeah. So we're just really thrilled to have you on. And then when you mentioned that you're a theater geek, I totally resonate with that. I love theater. Mm-hmm. I did theater all through high school. And yeah, that was my jam. So totally. I didn't take it as far as you, unfortunately. That would have been really fun. But <laughs> you know, it's okay. I honestly, I took it as far as I did. And when I was a junior in college, I realized I didn't want to do it as more than a hobby. I And then I was like, well, that's fun that I've spent $100,000 and four years of an education to realize that I don't want to do this for my life. That's fun. <laughs> so it's good that you just oh, no. explored it as a hobby and you can do it as a hobby now. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. It was great, though. It, I, I think there's something different about, about people that did theater or love theater. There's mm-hmm. a, a certain, I don't know, like confidence and outgoing that you find a lot with theater people, which is really fun. Draws you in. Yeah. Yeah. So our topic for today, to kind of get the ball rolling here, is we talked a little bit about before recording that we were looking to talk more about finding your individual testimony and your your ground in your faith in the church and why that's important before you ever, you know, get into like a relationship or a marriage in the church and, and how to do that, how to find your individual testimony in the gospel and your individual relationship with God. Um, and what what interests you or inspires you about that topic, Sasha? I am really inspired about having an individual relationship with God because I think that's really what our earthly life is about. I very much am 33 years old and I when I joined the church, at, I was almost 21. So I've been in the church for about 13 years-ish. I very much was like, okay, I'm going to change my life and thought process around marriage. I'm going to, you know, get married at 25. Cause again, before I was LDS, I was like, yeah, I'll get married at 38. I'll have a kid at 40. I'll have just one. I'll have a Broadway career. Like I was totally on a different track. Then I joined the church. And I was like, okay, I'll get married like in my early twenties. And then I'll do all these things. And I don't know. I I'm so grateful to this day that I am not married yet. Like I'm, I could not be more thrilled because there are so many things and so many lessons I've learned especially in the last five years that have brought me so much peace, have brought me clarity, have brought me healing. And I think that that is the version of myself, the, this version of me that exists is the one that is meant to be brought into a marriage. Cause I don't know if I would have discovered this amount of healing when I was in a marriage. And I think that I, I support anyone's path and no matter what age they get married at, the thing that I wish we were more open about in our church, as well as in our church culture and in our like culture in terms of like the Western side of the world um, is healing is really looking at what you've been through and how you're not your story. You're more than experiences that you've been and that have happened to you, but you can heal from them. And so I just think it's literally part of our whole purpose here upon this earth is to have an individual relationship with divinity and to understand our worth and our value and therefore, we're better human beings in every circumstance that we find ourselves in, in marriage and partnerships and motherhood and fatherhood and friendships and work in our community in every way. I think that's a really, a really powerful um, thing. And just to be able to, to heal and to really, really find yourself. Like, I, I can imagine 
because I've been in this situation where, where I feel like I've been in tougher spots in my own life spiritually, you know, and then I went into dating and I felt like the other person was on a higher spiritual level than level than me. Not that that is a bad thing, but just, it made me, it made me think a lot about what I needed to do to improve and how I could be better. And, you know, I'm thinking about getting married and getting sealed. Like, do I feel like I'm prepared for this? I feel like I'm, do I really understand this spiritual commitment that's taking place? I feel like there's a lot of things that had to change for me. And it wasn't when I was dating somebody. It was, it was when I was single. So I can definitely agree with that. And that's not to say that people can't, I'm so sorry. I just meant to say, it's not to say that people can't do healing and do a lot of incredible things with someone. It's, but that is a freaking journey. You know, like I've, I've Mm -hmm. known quite a few people that have gone through that while married and they're still having an individual experience of healing and figuring out their spirituality. And it is challenging when you're with someone during that, because that allows that, that takes a lot of real love to allow someone to evolve into something that they are changing into that wasn't the version that you married, right? It's a, Mm -hmm. it it takes freedom and flexibility and communication in a marriage for that to happen. And I think that can really bring couples closer together, but it it can also destroy a marriage. Yeah. And I think when you were talking about the importance of healing, I was thinking a lot about that quote that was like, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. And you think of it the opposite, like healed people will heal people. And when you have, you know, two people in a relationship that are healed and are good, their relationships can be a lot healthier than two hurt people that are trying to figure out how to heal themselves together. Um, Mm -hmm. And that relates with like anything, not just, you know, related to your testimony of the gospel, but, you know, different challenges that you might be facing in your life. Um, You don't have to be perfect to get married. You don't have to wait until you have everything under control to get married. That's not what we're saying, but I'm starting it off on the right foot and really understanding who you are and, and your testimony in the gospel and all those things can really help set a really strong foundation for your marriage. Yes. I, my dating profile literally says I am a whole imperfect person looking for another whole imperfect person. I will never be someone's better half or other half. I'm not a half a being. I'm a whole being. I love that. There, there's a, a song that I, I guess it's popular. I, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't ever listen to the radio. So I don't know if it's like the repeated song that's on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I have like this like summer barbecue like playlist on my Apple Music. I think it's just called that. You could look it up. It's like a, somebody made it. And one of the songs on there is called Broken. And I don't know who it's by. <laughs> I'm not prepared for this. Um, but it's called Broken. And one of the lines in the song was, I like that you're broken, broken like me. And maybe I can be broken with you. And like every time he, he sings that, I'm just like, yes. Yes, like that that's exactly how I felt like when I was when I was dating somebody. It's like I just feel like I'm not perfect. I'm I have these sins and these flaws and I need someone else who realizes that that they are like this and we we together need need the savior to guide our lives. Yeah, I feel like that puts so much pressure on the person that you're with or dating or married to if you're like you're my better half <laughs> or I don't deserve you or all Ew, these things. Like you're so amazing. Um, or like, like, like you're so perfect all the time because I mean, nobody is right. (laughs) Right. And that's a lot of pressure for your significant other to live up to, to have to think like, oh, okay, I have to be the better one. I have to be the more spiritual one and the more sturdy one. And, you know, all those things, it's a lot for, for one side of the relationship, relationship to carry. The best thing that somebody ever said to me was, 
if you put me on a pedestal, there's only one place I can go from here and that's down. And I loved that because it made me realize like I need to not, of course we see the potential in people and we see the, like often we see the goodness in others. And I fully believe that that is a beautiful quality in every human being. But I realized that I had a tendency to put people on a pedestal and then I was often disappointed. And I thought, what am I doing? And I, when someone said that to me, if you put me on a pedestal, there's only one place I can go from here and it's down. I thought, oh my gosh, yes, I need to be able to see the goodness in people and the best parts of them while also giving grace to their humanity. And they need to be level with me. They're not above me. They're the same as me. And I can see the goodness in them, but also I can let them be human. Yeah, that's really awesome. And then there, that reminds me of that talk about the, I think, what's it called? The dangers of pride. What's that really famous one? I always forget what it's called. You know, beware of pride. Beware of pride. Is that what it is? When he I talks so. about the different types of pride that there are. And one of them is telling yourself that you're lower than someone. And that that's that in, in and of itself is a form of pride by being like, they're so much better than me. I'm so low. Like that's it. And I thought that totally blew my mind when I read that in the mission, when you're like, oh, you're so like when you're telling someone they're so perfect or they're so holy or they're so much better than you and and you're like not worth anything and yeah that that reminds me of the pedestal thing definitely mm-hmm. yeah Brianna I like that you mentioned earlier like almost like the idea of codependency it's like I I have to have this other person in my life to function it's almost like um, when I'm at work and I always hear people like they're walking around half dead and they're like I haven't had my coffee this morning. I can't function. And I'm just like, oh, I don't have that problem. But still, <laughs> it, it, it's this idea that like you have to be connected to this specific thing in order to progress. And where I'm going with this is I found in our own personal relationship and even before I got married, you know, parts of me where I was lacking spiritually or if I wasn't reading the scriptures as often as I wanted to, I would I said, you know, oh, Brianna, she's so great. And I, she's pretty spiritual when we get married, you know, she's going to, she's going to hold, she's going to be my rock. Like she's going to make sure I read my scriptures every day and she's going to make sure I keep my testimony, but that's not her responsibility. Right. Like I have to be able to be self-sufficient in my own spirituality and testimony and everything else in my, in my life. Like I can't, I can't take all those things and make that other person um, for uh, be like my stability. You know what I'm saying? Completely. I have a few friends that their spouses have left the church and I, I'm so proud of them because of where they have come to in terms of their spirituality and their connection to God. It is no longer about kind of like you're saying what the other person is doing or how the other person is behaving because really our salvation is individual. Um, and I understand the ceiling and the exaltation and what families, I understand all of that but we don't have control over any other human being. We will never get to know any other human being's thoughts or heart or intentions. We hopefully can get to know someone and trust what they say to us. But I, again, I'm just so proud of the friends that I have that have had a spouse leave because they have really formulated this relationship with God and this relationship, even within our religion to say, Oh, my my love for the gospel is strong enough because it's about the gospel. It's not my love for the gospel because of my wife or my, because of my husband. Does that make sense? It's, it's an individual mm-hmm. thing for them. And when they've come to the conclusion that they can be in this relationship and have a happy marriage, even though this spouse has chosen to leave, of course it's presented challenges and heartache and, but they've gotten through it and they're stronger because of it, because they each have individual 
experiences over their own spirituality. And I just have so much respect for people in those situations when your kind of religion divided all of a sudden, even though that's not what you went into it, you know what I mean? But I, mm-hmm. I just really have so much respect for people that can can maintain their spirituality because they create an individual relationship with God. Yeah, you have to really be able to have that individual relationship for sure. I, I know it was Elder Bednar who said, you know, I think someone asked him, like, if, if another apostle had had left the church, like, what would he do? He would say, well, that sucks for them, basically. <laughs> and and I just like, wow, that's crazy to think. Like, wow, an apostle would leave the church. And think about how that would be detrimental to a lot of, like, the members in the church today, if that actually happened. But should it be? Exactly. Like, based on the testimony that you have, like, he nailed it. That's, like, the best answer. Who cares? Yeah. Like, if even if everyone in your family left, like, that's a sad thing for sure. But is your testimony like contingent upon the other members in your family doing a certain action? I think that's a really, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, please. I was just going to say, I think that's a really good prompting question for you to ask yourself as a listener right now. If all of your friends and family left the church right now, where would that leave you? And that's a good way to kind of self-evaluate where you are at with your testimony. And are you going to church and just going through the motions and doing all of that because of, the you know societal pressure I guess from our culture or from your family or your friends or are you going because you have built that solid foundation and you know you're clinging to that rock of the gospel to carry you through yeah we know that the first and great commandment is to love the Lord thy God right with mm-hmm. all thy heart my mind and strength and there's no one that comes before God and so I mean if even in our marriage relationships that God comes first how much more important is it for us to develop that testimony and that relationship with God, like in our, in our, in our relationships, that's just plain as day to me. What you're getting at is really important, Sasha. Yeah. I was just going to address the thing that you said earlier about like, it would be sad, you know, if people left and I have to say, I definitely used to feel that way, but the second great commandment is to love our neighbors like ourselves. And for me, that carries new meaning because I have a genuine love for myself. I have taken some time to heal some pretty, deep wounds and I'm still continuously healing. Again, I'm imperfect and I'm faulted and I'm human, but I, I love who I am. And when I think about that, I think about those that leave, like, is that the worst thing? I think sometimes when I've had friends whose family have expressed, like, that's the worst thing they could do. And I'm just like, really, that's the worst thing they could do? Because my understanding of God is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. I don't know about you, but there's billions of people that have existed upon this earth and only a small percentage of them have ever or will ever be members of this church in their actual lifetime. And yet I have full faith in the gospel that I read about and in the God that I believe in, that I have been taught that their literal purpose is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man, which means that there is a capacity and things that we know about in life after death on how people learn and grow and continue to develop because we are eternal beings. And so when I think of someone that leaves the church in this lifetime, it's not sad for me. It's part of their path. And I don't know what that path looks like, but if they can find healing and a connection to divinity that is real and authentic, that to me is the win. You know what I mean? Like I, Mm -hmm. I love this church and I choose to be a part of this gospel because that's the choice that I have. The only person I hold accountable to that choice is myself. And so I don't want to express for me personally, because maybe you're different, but I, Jerry, because I, I was when I used to feel sorry, I used to, it was a I recognized that I felt pity when that would happen. And I acknowledged that that pity was misplaced. It's it's not fair, nor is it that that was judgment is really what it was. And now what I can have is empathy 
and compassion to say, oh my gosh, I honor your path. And however that leads you to God, because literally our heavenly father and our heavenly father, or excuse me, our heavenly father and our heavenly mother want us to be eternal beings. And there is so many, I don't want to say different paths. I don't mean that in the sense of like, you can do whatever, but there are so many beings that are trying to be good, charitable, Christ-like people here upon the earth. And sometimes they have to figure out ways to find that healing and to find that connection with divinity. And sometimes that does include leaving the church. And so for me, I've learned to check myself when I feel my judgment present and to acknowledge that like, I need to not offer pity, but instead offer compassion and love and to say, I love you as much as I love me. And I know how much healing comes with an actual connection to God and to understand who I am to them. And you are going to do that in whatever way that works best for you. I love the distinction between pity and compassion. That's really powerful. I never really took time to to think about that um, and how often we act like that, I guess, in the church every day when we treat other people that are outside of the church, whether they're, they've left the church or they're non-members, we're just like, oh, how sad for you that you don't have the gospel as if it's the only way to connect to, to God in this life. So right. that's, that's right. a really powerful distinction. Thank you for bringing some light to that. Well, we've talked about in this podcast before the power of respecting somebody in their faith journey, just mm-hmm. maybe somebody even, you know, stop going inactive is the best thing for them in their faith journey. Mm-hmm. You know, and you might be meeting somebody in that stage. That is, I mean, does that mean you should stop dating people? It's a good question. I don't think so. You should continue to date people, and despite that journey, and you, know, you could find somebody who will resonate with you, and they'll accept you for who you are. And if they can't accept you where you're at in your faith journey, then that's not somebody who's for you, anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, but every everybody who's listening to this podcast, wherever you are in this journey with God, it all comes back to that initial point of of just genuine healing and loving yourself that wherever you are, you have to be able to heal and love yourself and not let other people's judgments, you know, fall upon you and keep you from, from being happy or finding somebody who will um, be happy with you. So kind of to switch gears here, Sasha, what, what kind of started that whole healing process and started you finding that true testimony that you have right now that you're currently building on as well. Africa. What was that turning point? Africa? <laughs> yeah. In 2017, when I went to Africa with Mothers Without Borders as a volunteer, I had been told, but I wasn't aware of what it meant to be in a personal growth and development workshop. And so the thing I love about this organization and why I've continued to work with them is because literally that was when my life shifted. When I went to Africa, most people think humanitarian work is like, okay, cool. I'm going to go build a school or I'm going to go, you know, build something. I'm going to go do something because I'm going to help people. And the reality is some, most people don't need that. Like they're, that's not sustainable either in terms of what's really actual helpful as, as you're helping another culture or country. And it's not the most sustainable thing that you can do. But what I realized when I got there was that every morning we got together as a group of volunteers and we meditated together and we learned principles. And these principles were taught in a non-denominational way because there were all sorts of different people there. But what was beautiful is that it connected a lot of my past with my present. So I grew up not religious in any way. My best friends were Jewish and another one was Buddhist. My hometown is Sedona, Arizona, which is 
widely known for energy work and crystals and all of these things that I grew up around and had knowledge of, but never felt extremely called to. And then I joined the church and I feel very, uh, I, I thrived in the structure of the gospel, if you will. And then I go to Africa and these principles are presented to me in a non-denominational way, kind of following suit more with Buddhist traditions, Buddhist proverbs. And I've heard them before, but all of a sudden it is clicking over and over and over again because I have the context of the gospel. And, you know, we're learning about something, about being present, about being mindful, about understanding our relationship with our source energy, which for me, I call Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother, and Jesus Christ. And I'm realizing I have heard these things before, but now I understand what they mean because I have context. And it was a beautiful culmination of my two worlds, my non-LDS life and my LDS life. And it came together and I realized how much I had been not genuinely embodying a spiritual being here upon the earth, but instead I was hustling to try to be a really good Mormon. When I joined the church, it was not an easy transition for my family. They loved me and they loved me back then. None of them felt like it was the best choice for me. And they they came to my baptism to show support. But then afterwards, they kind of just couldn't face some of the things. And, and then I went on a mission two years later and my family didn't really talk to me. It was kind of a weird, they didn't disown me by any means, but it was like, I all of a sudden was speaking a foreign language and they could not understand it. They didn't know what was going on. What they understood and what they saw from their perspective was I joined a church all about family, and yet I would rather call everyone at church sister because they must be better than my own sister. They saw that I joined a church about family, and yet I was going on a mission for 19 months and I couldn't speak to them. I was joining a church all about family, and yet one day I would have a wedding and they could not attend. So I now have so much compassion for what they felt and what they saw, but at the time it was just hard. And so here I am now in this scenario where I joined the church and I'm, I've already disappointed really, really important people in my life. And so when I became LDS, I really wanted to do everything right. I followed all the, I'm using air quotes, rules. Obviously, some of them are commandments, but some of them are cultural as well. I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to be, I couldn't bear disappointing this new group. I had already nearly had my knees knocked out when I disappointed my core family and this family that had, if you will, adopted me into Israel. I couldn't buy, I couldn't bear disappointing them. And so I was hustling for acceptance. I was hustling for love. And I ultimately realized when I was in Africa, hearing about these principles and understanding about love, like true love and how much the world mirrors how we feel about ourselves and what it looks like to see this orphan child who has been through so much who is hungry and has AIDS and is trying to stay alive. And I look at them and they play with me and they're kind and they're loving and they hold my heart in their hand and they are gentle and compassionate. And I realize, like I need to be that way with myself as well. Like that is something that I need to, to understand what's my relationship with divinity. You know, like it just, it just shifted for me. And all of a sudden my two worlds came together, my past and my present, the things that I grew up with, and what I had come to learn. And I started to unravel kind of the hustling mindset of like, I don't want to just, okay, I'm going to read my scriptures. So God will love me. That's not real. That was real to me. It's not true. Excuse me. 
And I realized I was doing a lot of that. Wow, that was amazing. I really love that. Yeah, so that I know it's a long, but that's like, that's really what did like Africa changed me mm-hmm. in that way, because I just thought, I am not really loving myself. I'm not even really loving God. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a codependent relationship with God. I am thinking that I have to earn it. I'm thinking I have to hustle for it. And I'm not openly admitting that. I'm acting like I'm doing these mm-hmm. things out of love, but I'm doing them out of complete obligation and fear, fear of being not loved, not being accepted. And that's I, not how I God totally operates. resonate with that. That yeah. is amazing. And thinking about that is kind of bringing me back to, you know, what we would say as young women, I don't know if you're familiar with it because you are a convert, but the young women's theme always talked about like your divine worth. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I would recite that like every day, I never really would think much about it. But lots of times in the church, we tell ourselves that we need to follow every single commandment and we need to do everything right. Like you talked about, like your checklist so that we can earn God's love. And we forget that in our most basic themes that we learn at 12 years old, it says that we already have that divine worth and that we don't need to earn our worthiness for the Lord and we don't need to earn his love and his acceptance because he already loves and accepts us and sees us as worthy as having divine worth before any of that stuff. And I think that leads back perfectly to what we were talking about with people who leave the church, like them leaving the church does not lower their worthiness to God. Right. Exactly. And it doesn't make him not accept them or love them anymore just because they're not following the commandments anymore. Now he definitely has blessings that he wants to give them that he can't give as much anymore if they're not keeping those commandments, but that doesn't, that has nothing to do with their individual worth and their divine worth as a child of God and how much he still cares for them every step of the way, like he does us in the church. Um, so that's, that's super powerful. I, I love everything that you just said. Thanks. <laughs> it, and it's kind of funny because Jerry and I were just having a conversation. Was it Sunday, this last Sunday about, about how in the mission, my mission president told us that we would be surprised how many people or will actually end up being in the celestial kingdom and how few people will be in the lower kingdoms because of how much God loves us. And that was totally groundbreaking for me when I was in the mission, because I had always looked at, at God as like the, the mean, like, <laughs> like all rules, like very just and no mercy. And then Christ had to like step in and be like, Hey, so let's be kinder. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm, that's how mm-hmm. I'd always envisioned it when I learned about it. But then when he, my pre- president had talked to us a lot about, the atonement when I was in the mission, I realized that God was our father. Like he always loved us and he wanted someone to step up and be able to take that on and be able to suffer and, and complete the atonement for us. And that was always his plan. And that was totally game changing for me because I feel like I really started to explore my relationship with heavenly father. Once I learned that, because I realized how much he did love me and how how much he really did want me to return to live with him and everything started to like make sense after that and that I think that was like the kick of like my personal journey but kind of leading back to where I was going with this was um when we were having that conversation in the car we were talking about how this life is to learn heaven not to earn heaven I don't remember who said that in a general conference talk a couple years ago but that's always really resonated with me because so much So many times, not just in our church, but in lots of churches, you think that you're doing everything to like rack up points so you can get into heaven. And that's not 
at all how it is. We're here to learn to be more like Christ. And that's the ultimate goal in this life. I agree with that. And we don't mean to, like you said, like try to get it with points, but we totally do. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Everybody's got a little scorecard. (laughs) Yeah. And I think um, this is, this is, I think that exact doctrine is where other faiths will say something like, um, you know, we always say like by your works, like faith without works is dead. And a lot of other faiths will say, you know, it doesn't matter how many works you do. God, God has already saved you. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a different perspective here and there about what that means in the eternal perspective. But I think there's a happy medium there. Like, it's not the fact that I went to church on Sunday and I was there uh, right before the bishop started talking. And um, I made sure that I took the sacrament with my right hand that day. And uh, <laughs> and I made sure that uh, I volunteered to say the prayer like you can't you can't just add it up like that. This isn't the good place. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the good place, Sasha? I have. Yes, totally. So yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> I like the good place. Uh, I think I think it's funny because they, they have that same idea in that in that show. It's like they we're counting and trying to reach this total amount of points. Because I was talking to Brianna about it and I was like, I just I was like, well, how do you. How do you get to the other side and, you know, your life is going to flash before your eyes and you've counted all these different things that that you did. And you're like, oh, biting your nails off. Crap. Am I going to make the cut? You know, like it's very, very nerve wracking when you think of it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of instead of realizing the the love and compassion God has for you, sees that you're willing to try and and knows that you gave it your best effort. I think I think that you'll be fine in the end. I think one of the things that people I've noticed a shift in my own way that I describe God, because in the Bible, Elohim is God and that's plural and it's masculine and feminine. So I will often say God when I refer to both Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. But I noticed I started saying God a lot more because kind of like you were saying, Brie, of like you kind of envision God as this like, you know, really merciless and Jesus mm-hmm. had to step in and was like, oh, excuse me. I've noticed <laughs> that, that that is very much a that's that's a thing. And it yeah. was it was, I think that's why we get into that checklist mode. I personally feel that anything that is said about God, anything that is written about God is based on the relationship the writer or the speaker has with God, because Mm -hmm. God is unchanging. And the way that I would have talked about them five years ago is vastly different than I would have talked about them now. They are not different. My relationship with them is different. I, five years ago, felt like I had to earn their love. I, five years ago, I felt like I had to I'm striving to be perfect. And even five years ago, I focused a lot on returning to live with them versus now my understanding of my divinity as their literal spirit child is not like a kid that's going on to like live with them again, but like as a spiritual being that is going to be like them, a spiritual being that will one day be their equal. And so that to me is a very different relationship and I look to them for guidance, not because I just am like, oh my gosh, I want to be in your house again, living rent free, (laughs) but I want to be you. I want to become you. And I have to go into the depths of myself to find God here on the earth. Um, Because I don't, I no longer look at God as as, as if they or him or her are external from me. I do look up because I do sense that there are they are watching over me and they love me and they know me intricately. But I often look inside of myself because I have their DNA inside of me and I trust that. And I know that 
And that is what I try to work with. Like what kind of things could I create? How could I co-create with God in creating compassion and kindness and love here upon the earth? If I look to them, like I want to be like them, as opposed to if I am their child who is submissive and not worthy and not their equal and just kind of want to eventually get back home. Does that make sense? It's just a different perspective, Mm -hmm. but they're the same beings that they were. I just personally shifted how I look to them and how I love them and how I look for them in me. Yeah. And I, I think so much of our life and our achievements here in this life only happen by checklist items, like getting a degree or I don't know, completing a task at work. And so it's, really easy to slip into that mindset of like we have to be meeting these certain checklist items in order to qualify right and I think that doesn't just happen with our testimony but happens when we're dating too and when we're seeking to have that like relationship as a member of the church or like in the Christian faith you can say as well I don't feel like there's as much pressure in other Christian faiths as ours to get married (laughs) but um definitely you can feel that pressure because a lot of us as like youth I feel like especially young women's were told like you need to graduate and get married and pop out some babies and you'll you will fulfill all your purpose, you know. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot with that. Yeah. And so we have this checklist like ingrained in us that like, okay, I finished high school, now I'm gonna go to college and look for a husband. <laughs> like I know so many people who would talk like that, like not go to college for an education. Like I'm gonna go to college to BYU or whatever and I'm going to find myself a husband and it's just become like the number one only goal you have whereas looking back now I'm really grateful that I served a mission because that forced me to have that time to truly like discover myself and work on my testimony before I got married because if I went out like on my mission I probably would have gotten married and not had nearly the understanding that I have now of the gospel And I feel like that should be the main goal you have when you like graduate high school and everything and go out on your own. Like it should be to discover your individual testimony and and push those boundaries of, of everything you've been taught and, you know, work on your relationship with God. Like you're talking about, that should be a a huge goal and the biggest goal. And then everything Uh else will follow on its own time. hundred percent cannot agree more. And I have a hard time with I'm like dying inside that that is what young women are taught, but that is fine. Namaste to those that teach that because they were doing their best, but that (laughs) really, I struggle with that because so many women that I know are mothers and they're not happy. And they're so confused by that because they're going, I am doing what I have been taught my entire life was the be all end all. And I, what, what, what can I do? Why don't I like this? What's wrong with me? You know what I mean? And so I think about how it's really what we should be doing. Our entire life purpose should be to become like Jesus Christ. And that is going to look like motherhood at 20 years old for some. That's going to look like motherhood at 40 years old for some. That's going to look like adoption for some. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's going to look different Mm -hmm. for every human being. Men as well. It's going to look different for everyone. And if we could honor that instead of saying this is your goal, because there are people that I know that get to that goal and they go, now what? And then there were women I met on my mission in Salt Lake City that were empty nesters and they're 40 years old. And they're going, I don't even know who I am. I don't know what I want. I'm not trained in anything. I'm not skilled in anything. I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I never finished college. And I'm like, first of all, you're a divine being. 
and mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that you're experiencing this. But again, like because their entire life they taught them that they were taught this is what your goal is. But now they're 40, going on 42, and they're like, shoot, now what? I got a lot of life ahead of me, and I feel like <laughs> I've peaked exactly. And it's like, no, it's not. It's not about that. You know what's interesting? Side note, back to like the God, Heavenly Mother, Heavenly Father thing. One of the things that I encourage people, because people message me all the time, like, what can I do? I'm spiritually stagnant. I don't feel connection. I'm stressed. I don't love the church. What can I, can you give me advice? And the thing I say to them is like, I don't know if it would help you. But when I say, because they're like, please don't give me like the pray, read scriptures. And I say, Mm -hmm. okay, (laughs) I'm going to say, connect with the divinity that is in your life. What, however that looks, I can't say. For me, that looks different. It doesn't come in scripture reading in church and prayer only. It comes in meditation. It comes with communicating with others. It comes in travel. It comes in whatever, like learning about myself. It comes in healing. It comes in therapy. Like it looks different for everyone. But what I noticed is that our earthly parents, a lot of people have wonderful parents and a lot of people don't have wonderful parents. What's hard is that we say things like heavenly father and heavenly mother. So there's a father and mother is a tie that we have to specific scenarios where we're using our Mm -hmm. lens to look at that, which is why I think we also have to earn God's love because our parents, God bless them, are not gods. They're human. So we do disappoint them. They do get angry. They say mean things. They say things that are coming from their lens, their wounds, their unhealed things. We we do have to earn it sometimes. We do have to, right? There's all these things mm-hmm. that happen in human relationships, especially parent-child dynamics. And we literally project that onto God because we call him Heavenly Father and because we call her Heavenly Mother. So we project this like earning relationship with them because we have that relationship with our humanly parents. So when people say that to me, like, please don't just give me prayer and scripture study. I say, you need to connect to who God is. And I purposely don't use the term heavenly father or heavenly mother because I'm like, not, don't think of your, you need to skip a generation if you will. Skip your parents and go to heaven because that is something that you need to work on because you don't have to earn their love. You're not less worthy because you're in or out of the church. You're not less worthy because you're in or out of the commandments. You're not less worthy because you love the church. Or you don't like none of those things matter. You are loved because you exist and people have a really hard time. Excuse me. I personally had a really hard time sitting in that space. And I've noticed that others feel similar when you mm-hmm. say you don't have to earn it. Just sit in the space of because you exist, you are loved, you are accepted and you are seen as divine period. People just like, I don't, but I have to, don't I have to? Nope. No, you don't just exist in that space. And it's very difficult because that implies that, that we're just loved. And that is so hard to receive. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that my favorite thing when I was in the mission to teach just like, and and there's a reason for this, that this is like technically the first thing that's being taught in the restoration pamphlet is you, you tell somebody that, that they have a God who loves them. Like you are this, you are a child of a loving heavenly father. That's like the first thing. And I think that a lot of the reasons we can be tripped up, especially in our, in our faith is that people are trying to approach God through Mormonism rather than just trying to identify and connect with the fact that God even exists. Yes. Like you'd have to have that first, like you said, this divine power, like whatever it is, like, do you even believe that there's something out there and then after you find that thing that's out there, you know, which which path does he want me to take? I think is a big thing. And you know, you had mentioned that people say, Oh, don't tell me the the scriptures and you know, all that stuff. But then, you know, even even in Alma, 
and in the scriptures it talks about how oh yeah you can search the scriptures but you don't need the scriptures you can look you can look at the the earth and all things in in the face of it and its motion and the planets you know Mm -hmm. i work in i work in surgeries and i see the way that the body's working and i'm like this is nuts god exists (laughs) (laughs) yes completely there's so many things i see every day where i'm like god exists god exists guys i don't know what to say like there's no reason there's no way that this is coincidence and there's just the way that the angle of the earth is to match the sun they say there's like a billionth of a like a percent off and like the earth couldn't be habitable like inhabitable like it's it's too it's too too perfect like you know of a circumstance there's some kind of power out there and there's so many things that denote that i love that you say that the I other thing that agree. i was thinking of the other thing i was thinking of um you had mentioned is you know and, and brianna was laughing with with you about is that there's <laughs> there's there's a pressure on on us to get married there's a pressure on us to do that early and i would say like you say there's judgment if people get married later like what's wrong with her makes, or what's wrong with him that makes me think of uh two things one you're you're being judgmental in that way if we're doing that we're being judgmental and we think that our life is superior to someone else's because we got married or we're in a better relationship or, or in a relationship with somebody when someone else is not as they get older number two i think that we have um a lot of parables by christ that could be interpreted different ways that immediately makes me think of the the, the vineyard where you can have you can have uh the the last day come the time uh where all the rewards are going to be given and somebody could have been working for 11 hours. Let's say they got married when they're, when they're 20 and then, and sealed when they're 20 and somebody could have went their whole life and then got sealed when they're 70. And then when they get to the end, they're, they're still going to get the penny. Like they're still going to get the same reward. It didn't, it didn't talk about like having any advantage at, at reaching that at that, at any particular time. And so I think that we can be, you know, very similar to that today is to realize that we have to reach these goals in, in our own time and realize that we're all going for the same reward and that we should all be encouraging and, you know, be happy for everybody wherever they get there at the time that they do. Yes, I yeah. feel that. Did you have something to add? I just, I personally, I'm 33 years old and I like, I can't, I feel like I'm not going to speak for anyone else. I, I just could not be more grateful that I'm not married to this point yet. Like could not be happier where I feel like for so many years in my twenties, I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I not doing? And I, again, speaking of earning, I was like, God, what have I not proven to you? Like, what haven't I sacrificed? I've sacrificed my family relationships. I sacrificed my time. I went on a mission. Like I did all these quote unquote right things. And I think when we again, put that timeline as if it's in our control or not so much in our control, but if we, we put it, pose it in such a way that is like, what's wrong with us again, that's not how it works. And I feel like God was up there like, baby girl, you are a fetus. You are like, a, I have blinked. I, I'm not even fully blinking. And you're, you've been gone for half a blink and you're over here crying up a storm about not being married. Will you just slow your roll? you got a lot of things ahead of you. I would like you to graduate college. I would like you to serve a mission. There are some people that I would love for you to meet. Again, slow your old sis. I need you to do some healing. You're going to go through some things. Would like you to heal some trauma. Go to Africa, honey. Just get yourself to Africa. What are you doing? Just, you know what I mean? Like I am, mm-hmm. I am a child and, and I'm okay with the fact that like I am so young and I have my whole life and I don't, I realized for me personally, and I honor whatever anyone says of how they feel. Marriage is not a goal for me. Companionship and partnership 
that is united and communicative and holy and sacred is my goal. And for me, if I, I just, that will come and go as it happens. And I've, I'm so grateful that I've had those opportunities that in dating relationships that it felt that way. I've had friends, I've had kids that I've met in Africa that fill that goal for me of those sacred relationships. And I certainly hope to get married and have that kind of partnership. That is a hundred percent something I would like to, and know will exist in my lifetime, but it's not so much a goal because I feel like that's the beginning. It's not like the end. It's the beginning. The marriage is the beginning part. Does that make sense? And so when I think Mm -hmm. of those things, I've learned to release the like, okay, this is a goal because like you said, Brie, like we get into this checklist mode. Okay. Like I'm going to graduate. I'm going to do this. Like, okay, God, I like went on a mission. I did this. Like, how come this is not this this little checkbox? I can't check it, you know, but I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Calm down, Sasha. Like my, the reason I wanted to get married when I really looked at it and I dove into myself, I thought I want to co-create with God. And I thought, okay, I can co-create with God every single day. Every single day I can do that. So allow marriage to be something that unfolds as it comes, but that will be a beginning baby girl. It's not going to be the end. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. I felt my whole perspective about marriage shift. And that's why I literally feel such gratitude. I have zero doubt that I'll get married. I have zero doubt that I will birth children. And I'm aware as a 33-year-old woman, my birthing years are getting less and less. But I know I'm going to have children. I know I'm going to get married. I don't know exactly when. Sometimes I would like to know when that is going to happen. But I don't know. But the rest of it, I can co-create with God. I can sit in the knowledge of what I have been feeling and been shown and been promised and I can let the rest unravel as it comes. I really love that. And you mentioned that checklist one more time and we think that a lot of times we have the checklist and like marriage is on there and we think that we can't go to anything else after that little checked box of marriage until we get married. So like, yeah. so we get like what four down the checklist and there's marriage. And we're like, Oh, we're stuck here. I guess we'll just wait and wait and wait and wait and hope that it happens and just put our life on hold until it happens because life doesn't start until we get married right (laughs) and instead of being like okay there's so much more that I can do while I'm quote-unquote waiting and then there's a difference between waiting and being patient right so it's so much more important if we can be patient on God's timing for sending us someone and helping us find someone rather than just waiting around for it to happen to us Um, I think that it's really important to note here as well that, you know, waiting for marriage to happen because we think that's going to propel our testimony, or our faith forward is something that we shouldn't do. We shouldn't say, oh, well, once I get married, everything will be different and I'll study my scriptures and we'll have like my testimony will build and we'll have family home evening every single week. And all of these wonderful things will happen just because I'm married in the temple because that's not that's not how it works. And that's why this topic, I think, is so important to talk about. Because, you know, we have to go on this individual journey to find ourselves before we expect to be able to have this successful and faith-filled marriage with someone else. Yeah, totally. Sasha, so we've, we've definitely talked about a lot on the podcast tonight. And every time we get to this point, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's actually been almost an hour. I don't feel like we've actually been talking for that long. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> time really does go by. I guess that's the power of a, of a good conversation. So... We're really grateful to have you here with us. And the, the thing that highlighted this whole podcast for me was you being willing to say that you're grateful to be single. Like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody, you know, who's in, in their 
you know, early 30s say, you know, I'm still grateful to be single because everyone's always, like you said, dwelling on, on the fact that they haven't hit this check mark yet. And yeah. they're waiting for their life to begin to get here. And we've talked about this in the podcast before, like, don't wait for your life to begin. But man, just just being willing to say that you're grateful is just such a powerful thing because you're you're willing to accept God's timing. You're willing to to have your spirituality and your life dialed in and then say, when God's ready to bless me with this companion, then I, I know that time's going to come. Yeah. So this is pretty much going to wrap up the podcast tonight. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, Sasha, before you go, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with the listeners? I am just grateful to be on here. And I just, if I could give any advice, it is just create a relationship with divinity. And I, again, I call that heavenly father, heavenly mother, and Jesus Christ, where you understand your worth and your value and that your DNA is literally divine. And I just hope people find that connection to themselves so that they can find God inside of them. Yes, exactly. And and that's so important for yourself. That's so important for your relationships. And just even, even as you are in a relationship and then you get married, that's going to continue on. You're going to need to help the other person you're with, you know, being able to consistently see and feel and, and stay on that path that's going to lead each other to eternal life. So thanks so much for that. Um, is there, how can, how can our, our listeners reach you if they want to contact you or ask you any questions? The, that's such a great question. Thank you. The best way to get a hold of me is on Instagram. I'm at the Mormon hippie and I right now I'm able to answer all of my DMS <laughs> and I create videos and share posts. So that's the best way. Yeah. She has some pretty fun content. If you haven't already followed her on Instagram, we definitely encourage you guys to do so. And um, if you're single and you think she's awesome, you should also slide into her DMs because <laughs> <laughs> because we're a dating podcast. So if we didn't throw that in there, then <laughs> we'd be failing at our job. So, yeah, we hope the best for you. We're really grateful for you coming on the podcast and and we're grateful to be meeting a new friend. So thanks for coming Thank to the podcast. So thanks for everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next time. time.